Hey, hi, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute. Is that right? Did I do it right? Welcome to another thrill-packed episode of Superman 3 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies his 1983 Superman 3 five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin. And joining me on this journey through time and space and a tour of Italy is... Rob Kelly. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Uh, it's, it's going well. Yeah, I have, I have never been to Italy. I'd like to go. It's, it's a half of my... Uh, my heritage is, is is back in Italy, but I I've never been there. And uh, if I ever go, I was hoping that the leaning tower of Pisa was not leaning anymore. But <laughs> yeah, I haven't been either. But yeah, but we we will go. We on this travelogue, we will we will start out in Italy uh, with Superman riding a wrong in Pisa, and then we end with Gus Gorman making some demands of Ross the boss. Mm. Uh, so we're at the green screen, leaning tower of Pisa again. <laughs> and our synthetic kryptonite afflicted Superman decides to fix one of history's longest running maintenance issues and straighten, straighten the leaning tower of Pisa. Uh, so I, I believe one of our listeners said they always thought this wasn't necessarily an evil act on Superman's part, just a bad judgment one. But what do you think, Rob? I, I think it's, it, well, it's not evil. It's super dickery, to be sure. Right. Um, and you know what? It's funny. When I was watching this this section of some of the stuff that he's doing, this, to me, feels very Silver Age Superman. This kind of stuff where he would kind of get involved in sort of like mundane Earth day-to-day stuff. This this feels like the kind of thing that you would have seen in a Kurt Swan-drawn issue of Action Comics in like 1962. You know, like Superman interacted with the Beatles at some point and like, went back and like uh, what there was like uh, Jimmy Olsen got married to a gorilla and caveman t- like that kind of just really <laughs> silly stuff. This is, this is how that feels to me. And I also especially love that when, after he straightens up the, the tower, he waves to the, yeah. P- the pizza vendor, like in an extra dickish move, like, Hey, <laughs> like, so I can imagine that must've been fun for Christopher Reeve to play after doing yeah. two straight movies of being the straightest of straight arrows. Here he gets to be, an impish kind of dick that had to be fun. Yeah. I mean, he, he looks like he's having a lot of fun. I mean, he, he's got that Biff tan and look on his face, you mm-hmm. know I mean? It's just, he's, he's definitely, he's definitely enjoying it. And, and, and as, as Superman flies away, our Pisa vendor uh, smashes the replica that he was dusting and yells, Stronzo Superman! And uh, thanks to Google, Google translate, yep. I, I can inform anyone, everyone, <laughs> That Stronzo is Italian for, I'm going to censor this a little bit, but it's Italian for a-hole. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, plus he does that whole thumb in the mouth thing, which I, I guess is like a middle finger. So, uh, so, so what do you think about that, Rob? <laughs> is this the only curse word in any Superman movie? I can't think of another. They never said uh, any other. I mean, they said hell and damn, but those are kind of mild. But I mean, I don't, I don't think there's ever been a word in a Superman movie that you couldn't say on television until that one, and that's how they hide it, is doing it in, in Italian. 
Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't think of one either. I mean, certainly I don't, don't say you know the S word, or certainly not the F word in in any indication. So yeah, this is the only way they could sort of sort of sneak it in. And you know, again, the uh, it shows how comfortable uh, we talked about in the previous minutes of um, that one cop and the 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 the, the guy and the, the construction guy, and they kind of gave Superman grief when he showed up late for the truck crash. Like they're really mouthing off to Superman, like. This 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 Italian vendor just said something that Superman could have heard and oh, yeah. flown back and microwaved his insides, but he doesn't do that. So people of the earth are very comfortable mouthing off to Superman, which I, I don't know if I would be. This is back before creators thought that way. Nowadays, mm-hmm. creators can't help but think that way. And there so they go. always think about, uh, yeah, Superman would just turn around and like literally <laughs> evaporate you. Yeah, He would yes. lay it on the ground in that three-point position, crack yeah. the cement, and then yeah. kill the guy. Yes. And does he does he do the does he do throw his S curl back with his hair when he does the three point landing like Black Widow? I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so we move to the gym of Websco headquarters, and Vera is reading aloud a copy of Time Magazine, Corporate Synergy, relating that Superman has been censor, censured by 178 countries in the UN. Ross theorizes that the kryptonite Gus laid on Superman wasn't completely ineffective rather than kill him. It just turned him, as Vera puts it, into a normal person. <laughs> and not a normal person as he doesn't have powers. A normal person as he's a jerk now. He's a jerk, uh, right. That's her, her view of humanity, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. <laughs> what is with the back cover of that Time magazine that she's reading? We see the doctored cover, and they've put a question mark on his S-shield. But the back cover is just a big red eye on a white piece of paper. And it's... I mean, clearly they just got a Time magazine and doctored up the cover and then slapped something over the back cover because they don't want an ad in there. But like that, what it, it's so not anything that back cover. They didn't even bother to like doctor up a fake ad or, or put you know, a picture of Superman. But it's just, it's just weird. There's this big red eye. Oh, it's Johnny cover. Walker Red. Johnny Walker Red. Is that that's, really that's yeah. is that an ad? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm looking at it on my computer right now, but it's a big yeah, it's a big red strip. Yeah, you can't tell from a distance. It looks like a black blob, but if you look at it up close, it says Johnny Walker Red. So that's oh, I didn't even see that's that. Like oh, whiskey, wow. right? Like, oh, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't drink, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. So <laughs> oh well, then, all right, but then I'm I'm wrong about that. Okay, I I'm looking at the movie like as it's playing, and it's I can't see any type. So I I didn't realize. Boy, that was a really minimalist ad. Oh, cool. It right. is. It's very yeah. It's very minimalist. There's no text. There's no <laughs> another uh, another ad in a Superman movie for stuff that children should not be imbibing. <laughs> exactly. Cigarettes, <laughs> liquor. KFC, KFC, all bad stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, the Superman on the cover is one of those promotional shots from Reeve standing on the harbor, you know, with the New York in the background, and and uh, he's he's like you said, his his S is replaced with a question mark. Now that headline, Superman, goodness at the crossroads. I I think Time would come have come up with a better headline, don't you think, Rob? It's very florid. Yeah, uh, very poetic. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I like it. I like that, again, I think the, that it's an image that we've seen from sort of promotional stuff that they just use that to doctor it up. So, but yeah, that's a uh, goodness at the crossroads. <laughs> goodness. <Wow>. Oh, my. <laughs> Wholesomeness. Uh, while all of this is going on, Ross is on the treadmill and Lorelai is first on the weight machine and then doing very suggestive push ups on the floor as she <sighs> makes all sorts of little. Why, you know, her little squeaky noises that she makes. And she's in high heels and pantyhose because the 80s. Yes. Uh, so 
it's amazing. Like anytime a woman was in like, you know, Daisy Duke in her, under her Daisy Duke, she had on pantyhose. I mean, mm-hmm. any, anytime, I mean, obviously wonder woman, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it, they just, they just went together. I don't know why. And it's like, cause we can't see, we can show cleavage out the wazoo, but we can't show a woman's bare legs. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's weird for me. It's something I've learned and maybe I'm revealing too much here on Superman movie minute, but like when I was a kid, that was in fashion, you know, that was a thing. And when I was, a, when I was a teenager, that look, the leotard look didn't do anything for me in particular. Yeah. And, but now as a retro thing, it's doing something for me. I don't exactly know, but uh, like there's a show on Apple TV now called uh, physical with Rose Byrne where it's her in that outfit. And like all the ads, I'm just like, wow, that is, I'm not going to watch the show, but that's a, that's a hell of an ad. (laughs) So then when we were going through these minutes and I was looking at Lorelai doing her pushups, I'm like, okay, I didn't, I didn't know that about myself. I'm learning this about myself. So, okay. <laughs> Where's Take all those old Jane Fonda tapes? Where are they at? You yeah, know? <laughs> I, it's crazy. I don't know. It's very strange. I don't know why in the time it did nothing for me, but retroactively it is. So, okay, just t- Take that as take that as as you as you will, everybody. No, oh, I get that. I've seen that ad too, and I kind of thought the same thing. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, part yeah. of it's Rose Byrne is ridiculously gorgeous. I mean, that's just part of it. She's but, an amazingly beautiful woman, but yeah. I, I didn't. I never would have like you know. I saw flash dance as a kid. And I was like, all right, whatever. Didn't do anything, you know. But something something about it. Thirty years later, maybe it's a I don't know. Recall, recalling my childhood, I have no idea. Maybe we should just move on. I'm sorry. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> let's let's get to the B roll footage of the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, because, uh, well, well, first, Ross and Vera tell a nervous Gus, with Superman out of the way, they can get back to their plans to corner the oil market, and then, like you say, we cut to the stock footage of the opening ceremony of the Olympics, and the last relay runner brings the torch up to the steps to light the ceremonial flame, only for a very bored Superman to yawn, then blow the flame out with a super breath before he can even ignite it. Uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so dejected and confused, the runner walks slowly down the steps, bewildered, just like the hundreds of thousands of spectators. What do you think of this scene, Rob? Well, first of all, I, I love that the B-roll footage, like it's so clearly B-roll because it's grainy and just looks, doesn't look like it's of the same quality as the movie that we're watching. Right. So it's kind of amazing to me that they didn't have like newer B-roll footage. I mean, the Olympics is every, at the time, it was every four years. Right. Like, that they didn't have footage newer than that. that didn't look a little fresher than that because I was like, you're watching this very nice looking Superman movie that all of a sudden it cuts to like newsreel stuff. And I'm like, what? I'm like, okay. Um, so then we get to the runner. The runner, by the way, is an actor named David Fielder. Uh, he had just a ton of British TV credit. So he obviously was a British actor that probably, you know, friends with Richard Lester or acquaintance with. He doesn't, he, he doesn't uh, have any lines. So we don't uh, get to hear him with his British accent. But again, this is very, to me, very Silver Age. This yeah. is the kind of like prank stuff that that Superman would have done. And again, Reeve looks like he's just having a hell of a fun time. I love when he's leaning over the the, the, the railing and he's just kind of looking sort of disgusted at all these people. Yeah, uh, he really, he's re- in in a weird way. I can almost see that, like, from what I've heard about actors. Uh, a lot of times, actors will some actors when they get the script, they will take the whole script in total and be like, this could be a good movie. Some actors just say, you know what? This part is great. I don't care about the rest of the movie, but I'm interested in this part. So I'll do it. I can almost see Reeve looking at this stuff and saying, I want to do it because this is something new for me to do. 
and not worrying about whether the Richard Pryor stuff is going to work or the stuff with Ross Webster is going to work. Like just kind of like, ah, the, you know, the, the FX, that's Richard Lester's problem. But for me, this is something I get to do. I mean, we get to see Superman yawning. I love he just looks bored. I love yeah. he's got the stubble. He's got the slight stubble going on. The, the S curl is kind of disheveled. Uh, he, yeah, he just looks like he's having the time of his life. Yeah, I, I get that too. He's he's definitely he's definitely loving it. And uh yeah, his his hair's kind of must and his his uniform's getting darker, his his blues are going more aquamarine, his reds are more maroon, and his hair color's actually like getting getting lighter more actually to Christopher Reeves' actual hair color, mm-hmm. uh that kind of sandy color. So uh I, I think that's I think that's cool. And and it's kind of funny, I, I feel like the the runner here his outfit seems Maybe it's somewhat inspired by Chariots of Fire, which oh, just sure. came out like two years before. So yeah, it's I'm almost surprised they didn't use the Chariots of Fire theme here. That would <laughs> that would have been fun. I mean, it would have been too much. Well, actually, after the whole the whole uh, you know traffic light fight, it wouldn't have been. But if they like when Superman blew it out, they're playing the Chariots theme, and then the record scratches when he blows the flame out. <laughs> After that stoplight gag, yeah, there was no gag is too big for this movie. But uh, I, I would bet if they thought of that, they basically said no because of the money. I bet because yeah. at that time, that Vangelis theme was like the, at the zenith of its popularity. Uh, although they used it in National Lampoon's Vacation just a year later. Yeah, they did. That much more money. But I'm betting that that's the kind of thing where they were like, how much is that? I ah, forget it. <laughs> They're not going to pay that for, the, for that thing. But, but yeah, that would have been – I could see this movie doing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we cut back to Websco and Lorelai is reading Kant's critique of pure reason uh, when Ross, Gus, and Vera. I've read in. that book. No, I haven't either. Uh, she <laughs> hides the book under the pillows of the couch and lays back, going into airhead mode once more. Uh, so, what do you think of her being smarter than she puts on? It's a nice thing for her. It's a it's a, it's a nice thing for us, the viewers, to know that. She is more than she just lets on. She's not just a bubble brain and that she's purposely hiding that. Um, it, it's, I mean, maybe, you know, going a little far that she's reading, you know, Kant, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's a middle ground there, but, but okay, that's fine. It's funny though, that um, she throws the book under the pillow and then she lays on the couch and accidentally knocks the pillow off the, the little ottoman mm. so the book is sitting there open and they don't they didn't bother to do a second take uh i guess they just figured it wasn't that big of a deal but the, the whole point was to hide the book she's not hiding the book because you can literally see it and um and the, his sister walks right by yeah. uh she, she can see it but they just go right by because they're they're busy doing this other stuff with all the other actors yeah yeah that's good that's good good catch that's good catch yeah <laughs> I, I do like this i think it gives her more depth and i think we brought this up previously but I think they really could have done something with the fact that Ross, you know, maybe Ross, it would have been more interesting if Ross was a puppet for both of these stronger yeah. women, you yeah. know, I mean, Vera, like straight up just being the kind of ball buster type that she was. And then, and then Lorelai, you know, basically, you know, seducing him into, in, into doing what she wanted. And then of course, then he's controlling Gus, which makes Gus even that much more farther down. He's being controlled by somebody who's being controlled, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that would have been an interesting way to go, but we're, these characters don't have that much depth. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once they established kind of that Ross Webster's kind of a, a, a noodle brain, like he's, he's not Lex Luthor. He's not that cunning uh, he's just more evil and 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 uh, uh, la- lacks any sort of morals. 
but he's not really all that smart. Yeah, that would have been a fun angle to play, to have him be manipulated by both these women. But uh, again, yeah, they, they didn't want to take it that far for this movie. Right, right. Uh, Ross uses a remote control to flip over a fountain in the floor of his office, and underneath is a world map showing the location of oil tankers around the world. Ross informs Gus that computers now control the movement of oil tankers, with captains being a throwback to, and I quote, some sentimental seafaring baloney. Uh, I wonder if the M5 from Star Trek has been installed on these tankers, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that when, when this map came up in Ross's floor, I'm like, did he get this from Blofeld at like a cut rate? You know, because this is such a super villain thing to have installed in your in your in your floor of your your house, your penthouse. Uh, That's like I feel like yeah, some James Bond villain was like, we don't need it anymore. So Ross Butcher was like, I can get this, I can get this for a song. Uh, this is a really fun little a little bit. And then you've even got the map behind the seat, the doors there too. Yeah. Um, there's a weird moment. I wondered if you if you noticed it or if it bothered you, not bothered you, but if you if you picked up on it, was when. After, um, what is his sister's name? I can never remember Vera. the character's name. Vera. Vera. After yeah. Vera opens up the panel and we see that there's a, the other map on the wall. And then Gus says something and she goes, will you stop interrupting? And I was like, has he interrupted her earlier in this movie? Like, is that a runner? I can't remember a time where that happened in this movie where Gus was interrupting Vera and she gets frustrated because she yells at him like it's like the fifth time he's done it. Mm. And I'm like, when did that happen? And it made me think, were there other scenes where that happened that they cut out? Because it just feels, she gets so mad so fast that it feels like the kind of thing that it's, it's a payoff to a running joke that we haven't seen. Yeah, that's a good point. I, you know, I know that she's definitely like, you know, he's definitely said things to her that uh, most of the things that he's said to her that have set her off have been pointing to her. And, and I'm just using her mannishness in his, in his uh, eyes and she gets frustrated with him. But I I don't remember him like, you know, stomping over top of what she was saying before. No. So, yeah. I just wonder if that was stuff that just got cut out of the editing, you know, as they edited it and they just left that part in either accidentally or because they needed the the scene was done in one long shot. It just said, it just jumped out of me. I'm like, I'm like, I was trying to recall, like, did that happen in this movie before? But it's, you know, it's fine. All I can say is, you know, a hashtag release the Lester cut and we'll see the full. Oh, don't uh, even. Cut. Oh, my God. <laughs> don't even. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm just it's just, just the. Oh, those, those people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so moving on. Gus is commanded. Uh, Gus is to command all the tankers to head toward a 50 mile radius in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and just sit there. And as you said, Vera points toward that map, and that's a map of oil pumps worldwide and informs Gus he is to order them to halt production and to make the orders for the tankers and the pumps irreversible. So what do you think of this master Bondian plan here, Rob? It's not bad. You know, it's not a bad plan. I I do like at the very end of these minutes when Gus sort of, you know, lets it be known that he wants something out of Ross Webster. Ross Webster says very quietly, what do you want? And that recalls General Zod talking to Luthor. Yeah. Because it's when, you know, it's, this, it's the reverse of this scene where you've got Luthor angling for something and you've got Zod cutting right to the chasers going, what do you want? So I like, I don't know if that was an intentionally a callback. That's probably a little more, you know, thought uh, than, this, than they were putting into the, that's something like, that's like a famous line. But I, I couldn't help but hear it. I was like, oh, that's the same exact tone of, that Zod took with Luthor in the previous film. 
Uh, Gus doesn't ask for Australia, though. Uh, that's no. a little spoiler warning. Australia. Uh, but, yeah, Australia. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> uh, Ross does point out he's kept him out of prison, but Gus fires back. He's more valuable to him free than in jail. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I do. I think it's interesting that he, uh, that he speaks up for himself, but we'll find out what he's talking about mm. in our next minutes. Uh, so that's it for these segments. Uh, I don't know about you, Rob, but I'm glad to be back, uh, to some, some good solid ground with this film. Uh, <laughs> after I'm happy that. to have Superman back in this movie. Yeah. Uh, after uh, a long yeah. stretch. I'm happy to have him back. And, and we're now we're into the actual the the plot that will build up to the finale in the film as well. So I, I'm 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 glad we're we were we were on shaky ground for a while, but I feel <laughs> I feel pretty good right now. So okay, good enough. All right. <laughs> uh, so that'll be it for this time. Be sure to check out the other fine shows on our network at firewaterpodcast.com, including several Rob and myself hosts. Uh, we'd love to read your comments on Superman three over at firewaterpodcast.com, and you can leave us a review in Apple Podcasts if you're so inclined. Special thanks to Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer of Star Wars Movie Minute for starting this whole Movies by Minute phenomenon. Check out all the shows they have helped inspire over at MoviesByMinute.com. Extra special thanks to all the patrons of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. If you would like to support the network financially, go to Patreon.com slash FWPodcast. There you can find many ways you can help keep the network going, including support levels that get you a special shout-out on the show of your choice, like Superman's pal Henry Bernstein, who supports Superman Movie Minute. Yay, thanks, Henry. Yes, thank you, Henry. Join our Never Any Battle here next week on Superman Movie Minute as we continue our coverage of Superman 3. Bye. Bye. Giorgio, per favore. E grazie. Thank <laughs> you.